Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Episode 19, and today we are talking to Luke, and the topic is ADHD and drinking. Now, Steph, we've spoken about it a few times, haven't we, asking each other whether we might have it, because we have quite a lot of familiar traits when you yeah. when you do hear things about ADHD, and it's bounded around a lot in the sober community, isn't it? A lot of people get diagnosed with ADHD once they stop drinking. Yeah, they do. And I I wonder too, just this is just a thought. You know, ADHD wasn't a thing when I was in school. I didn't know. I didn't have friends that had ADHD. It wasn't really a diagnosis. And now I look at my daughter, she's got a lot of friends that have ADHD and mm-hmm. are medicated, and I just wonder if that is something to that, right? Like there's a lot of women that I've talked to in the sober community that have been diagnosed since getting sober in their 40s. And it's like, did we miss something? You know, like I think you're right, actually, because I was reading up a bit about it and it said most cases are diagnosed when children are under the age of 12. But that's now. And you're right. right. I did not know a single person at my school who had ADHD. I didn't know what it was. I'd never even heard of it until I was probably 30. It just wasn't something that happened. But then nothing was diagnosed when I was a kid. It was kind of like, you don't pay attention. You're too fiddly. You're too loud. And and we were just kind of labeled like that. So I think think you're probably right. All these things are only just being understood and, and being given a name now. People with ADHD traditionally struggle with paying attention, impulsive behavior, and they are overly active. Now, those are all me in a nutshell, completely 100%. But I think through speaking to Luke, this is one of those things where a lot of people self-diagnose themselves. And let's be honest, we're living in a world where everything moves quickly. And yeah. lots of us are impulsive because, quite frankly, if we don't, we miss the train. you kind of got to get on with things, don't you? You can yeah. either sit there contemplating life for a year or you make the decision and move on. And that's just become a way of life a lot of us have been pushed into, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's different levels. I think there's like a sliding scale when it comes to it. I think everyone has these traits, but how extreme is it? Is it affecting your life to a point where you need medication? Well, I used to drink without a doubt to slow down my brain. My brain goes constantly. And that's why I'm good at my job and I'm creative and I've always got ideas because they are non-stop. But sometimes I want those to stop. And I drank to kind of slow them down, but I took it too far. And by the time I realized I was drunk, I'd already had another bottle of wine. So I'd end up falling asleep at a dinner party or I'd wake up at three in the morning in a bathtub at someone's house because I'd crashed out and no one could pick me up because I'm five foot 11. Things like that happened to me a lot. And I self-medicated with alcohol to try and control my thought processes and my busy brain. What did you use? Because neither of us have experience of ADHD. I thought it'd be good to talk about what we use the alcohol for when it comes to our brains and our thinking patterns. So what did you use? 
the mental part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. I've always said that like my my alcohol use disorder was more mental than physical. Like I don't ever feel like I was physically addicted to the alcohol, but mentally I was because I was using it to calm my anxiety. Like I was anxious all the time and to drink like settled me down. Like it, the depressant part of the alcohol is what I needed to keep me from just feeling so wound up. I don't know if I had, you know, I've had a lot of people say like what you just said, like trying to slow your thoughts down, but maybe that's also what it was because the anxiety was coming from anxious thoughts too, you know, like the thinking ahead and worrying about things all the time that were probably never going to happen. And I just would get myself so wound up that alcohol would help quiet that. So I guess hearing you say that, that was me too, like quieting my mind. I've never really said that out loud or thought of it that way, but that is that's where the anxiety was coming from, right? Yeah. Like my mind, my thoughts, yeah. me spinning things up and getting them to a level that was just, you know, overwhelming. Well, yours were anxiety induced. Mine uh-huh. were just, I've just got a very, my brain is constantly going in different directions. And every time I look at something, it will provoke 20 different ideas or thoughts that will all go off in dish, different tangents. And Sounds exhausting. Would, it's exhausting, which is why I love sleep so much Mm -hmm. because it's quiet Mm -hmm. and but with your anxiety I've always wondered this so when you drank there's a lot of people I didn't have anxiety or I didn't get nervous and I didn't feel like I needed to drink in social situations and if anything I thought I shouldn't because I knew how it would end but how long did that actually last before it became a negative thing for you so if you drank because you wanted to feel more relaxed and calm and and less stressed about going to let's say a a party Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you'd have what a drink an hour before you went oh like how many drinks would it take before I started yeah and then like how did it work you know it progressively got to the point where I needed more and more and more to actually get to the level I needed to be I would say before I was actually feeling okay I'm not sweaty anymore I'm not feeling like this it's like that fight or flight feeling that I would feel you know like that just that like tingly rise through your gut like something terrible is gonna happen um yeah it would probably take drinks for yeah that's already way over what you're meant to have I mean that's probably your weekly limit right there isn't it yeah but if I'm socializing it was so easy I probably would drink 10 to 12 drinks during socializing Because once I got it, once I was like, whew, okay, then I finally felt like I was drinking to participate and to like to have fun. But it took me to get over that hump. And then by then, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good and pretty loosened up. But yeah, but then, you know, finding out later that the alcohol is actually (laughs) feeding the anxiety, you know, the next day is just horrible. That rebound my body's trying to do from drinking that much my anxiety would have was just horrible. So it's just like the cycle, right? Because then, yeah. okay, now I'm feeling anxious again. What do I do? Start yeah. drinking. I mean, there was times I would, I'd start drinking in the morning just to like ease that a little bit. And that's typical for ADHD. It's yep, kind of yep. often referred to as the perfect storm because you've got all this stuff going on and then you drink to try and control it. And actually when you say that out loud, There's stuff going on that you feel out of control with. So you take drugs to try and control it. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can't control the drug because once you start drinking, you get to a point where you're out of control because all of your inhibitions are gone. 
I mean, when you say it out loud, Steph, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, this I mean, is a disaster, isn't yeah. it? When you say it out loud, and it's like when I realized what I was actually doing, that's when yeah. I told myself, "You're addicted." This is addiction. If you need the thing that's making you feel like shit to make you feel better, that's addiction. I mean, you think about drug addicts is who I instantly thought of, you know, heroin addicts who are heroin sick. The only thing that's going to make them feel better when they're withdrawing is to shoot up again. That's what I was doing with alcohol. But it took me so long to see it that way because society, it's, it's legal. Everyone's doing it. So it's, it's sneaky in that way, right? You think you're okay. You think you got a hold of it yeah. until you don't. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why we're doing podcasts about this because yes. everyone else is just going along and it's everywhere and, and it's advertised as being something sociable and fun and it, it's so dangerous, isn't it? Well, should we hear from Luke yeah, and find let's out a bit more about ADHD from someone who actually has it? Yes. Okay. So ADHD is obviously attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but there is a lot of different kind of views on it in general. People don't overly know that much about it. A lot of people are being diagnosed nowadays, whether that's rightly or wrongly so, but I always thought it was just hyperactive naughty kids. And I always thought it was the kids in the classroom that just couldn't sit down and misbehave. But what it actually is, well, what a good part of it is, I'm not a professional, so I apologize if I get some of this wrong, but with me, it's basically executive dysfunction. So if you were to imagine your brain as, let's say, like a company, and then within that company, you've obviously got all these different kind of areas that make the company work. So it's like a management system, yeah? And in order for your business to work properly, obviously, they all have to work together and they all have to work correctly Otherwise, it's all out of sync. And then obviously the business suffers slightly. So what it is, is your management system of your brain, your executive functions. If you've got ADHD, you basically, it's executive dysfunction. So areas of my brain that are all around these certain areas, which I'll name in a sec, um, they don't work together quite properly. So things like regulating your emotions, prioritizing and planning, working memory, self-awareness, self-motivation and say like inhibition these are all six key areas which for me personally just don't work well they didn't work in the right way so it's basically a dysfunction in that there's also uh, rejection sensitivity dysphoria which I won't go into too much because the dysphoria has its own kind of implications but rejection sensitivity which you have ADHD can be a massive thing and for me a I was bullied quite badly at school so throughout my life I've had a lot of kind of insecurity and I've always been sensitive about how I look and things and my therapist told me that they think I've got RSD so that on top of that means extreme low self-confidence very sensitive to everything around you constantly overthinking things And then that also leads me on to, if you look at the executive dysfunction that I've described, that goes hand in hand with self-medicating. So what I did is I used alcohol and other things as a kind of self-medication because I had no idea I had ADHD. It never even crossed my mind. So in order to kind of try and A, regulate my emotions, to kind of motivate me, calm my brain and kind of make all this stuff slow down slightly, I would numb it with alcohol. So from an early age, 
I mean, I can go through a million and one situations and scenarios where I got in trouble with it, but basically that's what I've done my whole life. And I've actually had cycles throughout my whole life where I've self-medicated through drink and then I'll come out the other side and I'll be fine. And then I go back into it again. So there's like pinpoint moments since I was like 18 up until a year ago when I got sober, where it's been this like cycle of like peaks and troughs. And then it just got to a point where the peaks got so bad, I ended up at the Priory on two separate occasions as an inpatient um, for addiction. And it wasn't until I found out about ADHD that I kind of was like, oh, my like light switch moment. And I, I could really start to figure out how my brain works and work on it really so yeah that's I mean that's ADHD in a nutshell I really like the way you described it as a kind of management system Mm -hmm. and that things don't work together and that for me as a visual person that really helps me Mm -hmm. understand it so for example when you say you've got all these different elements and they're all working at different speeds does that mean that every day is kind of different because some days some of those are going to be working at a much quicker pace and the others are lacking Mm. or does it mean things never quite add up and you're always just a little bit discombobulated because I have a hunch that I might have this and Steph does too I think the thing is I mean I've listened to that many podcasts Andrew Huberman everyone you know I have ADHD things like that and I don't know the science behind it so I wouldn't like to say when and how and things like that I think what it is 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 certain areas of those executive dysfunctions are worse for some people than others so what my regulating emotions might be all over the place, but my memory is actually quite good. Do you know what I mean? So for me specifically, it was kind of a general everyday experience. It wasn't one day worse than the next. But I know for a fact that I've struggled with them working together my whole life. And that's why I always turn to drink, because I always wanted to feel how you feel after three or four drinks. I constantly had this like dopamine level because that's ADHD as well your dopamine levels are always lower than a neurotypical which is why you're always searching for dopamine hits so you'll find that you'll have a hyper focus for something that you love to do but if something bores you if you said to me read the history of I don't know Spain there's no way in hell that I would read it but if you told me to play the guitar I'd play for nine hours it's kind of an overall general underperformance for me personally in certain areas and I think for other people it's the same it can either be all of them or it can be a few of them and I think that's why you get different kind of degrees or levels of ADHD where some people obviously are a lot worse than others which is where we get to the confusion of diagnoses and things I think but like I said to you my whole life I was chasing that level of feeling drunk or tipsy which is so dangerous because I was I mean, from 18, 17, 18, when I first tried drinking, it was like it just dug its claws in me straight away. And it was like, right, this is how I want to feel all the time. So if I didn't feel like that all the time, I was constantly chasing that feeling. I'd feel awkward, really, really insecure, really, really sensitive, not really motivated for anything other than, like I said to you, music or something that I really loved. My inhibitions, as you can probably imagine, were just horrendous like things like drink driving when I was younger, for some reason, and I find it really hard to forgive myself, I just didn't have, it was like I didn't, especially after drinking, your inhibitions go out the window twice as bad. So I drunk drive once and I crashed my car into a house and I got done for drink driving. And when I went to court, they said the engineer who looked at the house basically said that if I was a certain inches to the left or right, I'd have gone in and killed the family and killed myself. And that's a massive thing about, inhibition I suppose there's no excuse but 
just trying to understand past memories and I mean it's all about trying to forgive oneself and these kind of things just I've really struggled with but that's how scary it can be and that's how dangerous it can be and I mean you, you know a lot of people think of oh, hyperactive kids naughty kids but when you start delving deep into things like I'm talking about like it can really affect your life so yeah I mean when you have your assessment they say they only say that you have ADHD if it actually negatively impacts your life so just to try yeah. and clear up some confusion I have a question for you, just as far as like timeline with your story. So Mm. you started drinking around 18 to Mm -hmm. kind of calm your mind of all the craziness and to like get that dopamine and all of that. At that time, had you been diagnosed with ADHD or when did that diagnosis come about? And tell me about medication. So like, do you medicate yourself for your ADHD? Great. This is a perfect question. Now, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until... A year ago so the first of november i went to the priory for the second time and it was only then that i had such extensive therapy and actually with an adhd specialist and he said i think you've got adhd and i was like what because I, I was diagnosed with cyclothymia which is basically bipolar type three it's it's like bipolar but it's not so north pole south pole so you have ups and downs but it's not so severe. And he was like, this is just classic ADHD to me. So I had a six to seven hour assessment with a private psychologist. And that's how I found out that I had it. I didn't get diagnosed until, well, 36. So basically, sadly, I spent my whole life kind of wondering why I I, needed, I didn't feel comfortable in my own head and why I had all these kind of like, you know, underperforming areas of my mind. So like we've said, I just spent all these years self-medicated basically and then it wasn't until I literally had a massive breakdown I mean I had a partner and I was just drinking all the time I got I got to a point where it was so bad that I was waking up and drinking going out to work because I, I had my own business making uh, carpentry timber stuff but it was on my own in a workshop so my workshop became that place where I would just drink all day and then I'd go home in the early hours of the evening wake up in the morning escape the house again so my my other half didn't see me and I did that for six weeks constantly so from waking up till bedtime was drinking and I did that for I think it was five to six weeks so you can imagine the state I was in it was awful so I went to the priory the first time but I was in massive denial so I spent uh, I spent four weeks there and then got a two-week extension so after six weeks I came out and I relapsed because I didn't know I had ADHD. I didn't know I had anything to really, I, there was no answer. I just thought I was a monster. Do you know what I mean? I just hated myself. Um, my girlfriend left me. I lost my house, lost my car, lost my dog, lost my business. I lost everything. Moved to Wales near my parents and it all happened again. Just covering it all with drink, all with alcohol. And I ended up having, a, I won't go into too much detail, but I ended up having a second breakdown. That's like my light bulb moment where it was like, a crossroads of you either you carry on and I wouldn't be saying now or I sort it out. So I had so I went to the pro for a second time and I was extremely lucky because I had private health care. And that's when I found I had ADHD and that was first of November last year. So it's not that long ago. It feels like a million lifetimes ago since I got sober. Were you relieved when you found out? Did it kind of go, yeah. I've been looking for this. I needed a reason. I needed an explanation mm. for the way that I think and the way that I behave. And it's, was it a relief to be given that Ma- Massively, massively. I mean, for some people it's, it's a shock and it's really hard to deal with. But for me, it wasn't an excuse because there's no excuse for certain behaviours, but it was like, wow, okay. 
and that's when I'll get to the medication question uh, in a sec. But um, that's when I was like, right, I'm gonna, I'm sorting my life out. So I listened to every podcast you could imagine. I wrote about a million and one notes on my phone about ADHD, and I really understood how my brain works. And that for me was like, wow. And then also the medication. So this is an interesting one for me. I didn't have an option because obviously I was at a, a crossroads of life or death. So I was like, of course, I'll, I'll give it a go. So I was put on um, Listex amphetamine. And um, the minute I was put on that, it was crazy. So my whole life, I've been craving alcohol because I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like I needed it. Even if I went to Tesco or the clothes shops, or I'd be like, oh, I need a drink. I really want a drink. I'm, I'm so on edge. I'm so on edge. It's horrible. And all of a sudden, I was like, don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. And it, I, I can't, it was like a magic spell had been put on me. And I was like, oh my God, this is this is crazy. Basically what it is, it's a controlled substance. So what they do is they give you Listex amphetamine, which is basically like, um, it's, it's a drug, obviously. And it's like an amphetamine. So it's like speed or something like that. Um, and you would think having an addiction problem that if I was given that, it would have been a bad idea. It's actually the opposite. What it does is it levels out your dopamine and it levels out your brain in a way where it actually solves the problem. And it's not in a way where you're just off your head all day. It doesn't work like that. It just levels you out and it calms you down. And it's just, it's literally been an absolute lifesaver. And that's why I've tried and tried and tried to get sober and I couldn't. And this time around, it's just been like, it's been, I wouldn't say a breeze, but it's just, I just don't want to drink. It's really weird really weird that's because you got to the core right like you got to the core of why you were drinking and i think even if it's not adhd i think that's what everyone needs to do in order to get sober and stay sober if you don't figure out what it is that makes you drink what's driving that then yeah you'll never you'll just keep falling back into it i mean that's incredible to hear though that the medication just Mm. did exactly what you've been searching for your whole life and didn't even realize it you know like what a huge relief will you be on that forever now then how does it how does that work will you carry on taking that for the rest of your life or do they wean you Uh, off of it so basically how it works is it's like a day-to-day thing so i personally think i'll be on it for the rest of my life I mean, I don't know the rest of my life, but I think I'm not planning on coming off it anytime soon. But things like antidepressants, obviously, you're in a you're in a situation there where you can't just come off antidepressants like that, can you? You have to really slowly wean off over time. They can actually be really dangerous if you just stop taking them. This is different. So this is like if you want a few days off. You don't have to take it and you don't feel ill. You don't feel a come down, I suppose, or, you know, you don't feel anything. I mean, I can tell the difference if I don't take it, definitely. To me, it's like, it's probably a bit different to some people, but for me, it's a bit, it's been a bit of a lifesaver. I'd rather take a drug for the rest of my life than be how I was before. And I know obviously there's implications internally, like your organs and things like that. But when I went to the Priory, they did a, a test on me, blood tests, and my liver had damage which I was like actually glad about because that shocked me into stopping as well. But um, now it's fully healed, luckily, and everything. I'm the healthiest I've, I've ever been. And just by taking this tablet, one tablet a day, you know, if, if that's what it means for me, then then I, I don't mind taking it, to be honest. But obviously, it's an individual choice. Everybody's different. This is just my personal opinion. But yeah, it's, it's been amazing. It's, it's unbelievable, really. Like what positive changes since taking the medication have come about? And do you feel like, and this is just for my personal, like wanting to know, do you feel like it's changed your personality in any way? 
I feel like I was, I've never been my true self for years. Like literally everybody around me, my parents, my family, my friends, they've all said, you are like a different person. It's given me that like positivity and that clarity. Like I don't feel anything other than just how I felt like I always just wanted to feel like just normal, you know. And yeah, so what it does for me personally is in the mornings when I take it, I feel very positive and focused in the mornings, but not overly. It's not like an abnormal, you know, like having 16 coffees. It's like, but it, it gets me up. It get, get, I feel positive, motivated. I get out, do my exercise. It's all about things that come hand in hand. Before, constantly miserable. Constantly didn't want to leave the house. Constantly on edge, feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I worked really hard on structure for myself because I had to. So I am that cheesy person who gets up at 5 a.m. and then and, uh, goes out and does a run and then I do journaling and it's changed me completely. It's just, I'm, I just feel like my true self now. It's not a bed of roses, obviously. Like, obviously, I've got the same, you know, mindset struggles and I still like struggle with my mental health and things, but I, I almost feel like it's on a level where it doesn't affect my life. Does that make sense? So it's like... Yeah, I feel down and anxious, of course I do, but not like I did. My God, I was catastrophizing at every moment back in the day, and now it's like everything just feels fine. I'm like, kind of excited for the future. You don't want to get rid of all your emotions because that would mean no. you might be drugged to a point where it wasn't natural. Yeah. Life is not a bed of roses, as you say. No. But actually, you can't appreciate happiness unless you feel sad sometimes and you can't appreciate exactly. excitement unless you feel bored sometimes. You need all of those emotions and, and they're really important. Life has to be a bit of a roller coaster. It's interesting that way. I see a lot of people saying, I have been diagnosed with ADHD since I stopped drinking. There seems to be a real pattern with people who have ADHD who then self-medicate with alcohol or drugs. I would say, why do you think that is? But I think you've kind of explained that already and it makes total sense. But if you're someone mm. who is drinking now and someone who's listening to this and they do drink a lot, what kind of signs would you say that might suggest that they have ADHD? I think personally, if you are struggling with your mental health and the relation to alcohol is like you are thinking about when's my next drink. You're thinking about when I drink, I feel better. I feel uncomfortable unless I have a drink. You're living for the fact you can have a drink at the weekend or you're drinking on your own because it makes you feel better. All these kind of things. I'd say that's a bit of a red flag, to be honest. I mean, the thing is with ADHD as well, is if you've got ADHD, there's, there's a good chance that you could have something else. So in my instance, I've got traits of cyclothymia. I know that. And my sister has bipolar type 2. So I know it's in the family. Um, so there is a crossover and there's a crossover in many things with ADHD. So I think it's more it's more of a question of if you're feeling anything like that, go and see your GP. Go and see someone. Don't just ignore it. Don't suffer in silence address your relationship with alcohol why do you want to drink what does it do when you do drink and there's also a thing about obviously because of the way your brain works if you take amphetamines say like drugs and things like you don't feel how others do you feel calm so if you take drugs let's say cocaine sometimes calms people with ADHD it doesn't make you like the usual talk 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 so it's all these kind of things that, that, that you should probably try and think about just self-awareness really I mean I'm not saying everyone who has a drink problem has ADHD obviously not but if you have red flags coming up go and see someone and, and see what they say ask a professional and say look 
this is my relationship with alcohol. It's been, it's really not doing me any favours. Everyone around me is getting annoyed. Everybody's saying that I've got A, B and C. Go and see someone. Don't ignore it. Because I ignored it for, well, 17 years old up until 36. I've been to the Priory twice, you know, like it's really not a good story, which is why I wanted to talk to you guys, because I've been through it all. And I just wish that I'd asked for help years ago, because who knows, maybe I could have addressed this so much earlier and I wouldn't have gone through so much pain anybody who's struggling with their mental health in general like especially lads I know it affects women and men just the same but lads have this macho rubbish still oh I can't follow be strong vulnerabilities a weakness and all this kind of rubbish like it's just drop it like go and talk to someone anybody reach out and it takes a message talk to your other half because I suffered in silence and it only gets worse. And it's not it's not the tramp that you see on the park bench drinking cider. Like alcohol has no, doesn't care who you are, how much money you've got, how successful you are. It will affect you. And if you've got a mental health disorder, like it will take over. So just get help. I mean, he's right. If you feel like, you know, your alcohol consumption or drug addiction is out of control, I mean, you really should get help. I think the thing is, too, there's a lot of people I know in the sober community that have struggled with staying sober, right? Like, I personally, once I knew what was going on, once I knew the anxiety was being caused by the alcohol, it made it so much easier for me to stay away from the alcohol, right? Because now I know, like now I know that alcohol is bad for my body and I don't like what it was doing to me. But when you don't figure it out, like when you don't get to the root cause, right, that's when the relapses are happening. Because like, let's say you do, for example, have ADHD that's undiagnosed and you get sober and your brain starts doing like what Luke was talking about. You know, it's doing all the crazy stuff that's just driving you basically insane. It's you're working against yourself. If you don't get help, you're just going to naturally want to go back to the alcohol. And so I just wonder like people who struggle so hard with staying sober, if it isn't worth making an appointment with your GP and saying, Hey, you know, I'm struggling with addiction. Is there an underlying cause here? Do I have, can we do some tests to see if there's some mental health? There's so many different mental health diagnoses too, right? Like he was talking about all these different things and it's just, don't be afraid of it. I mean, listen to what Luke just said. He feels so much better. Like he can be a productive person now and not have to rely on a drug. Definitely. And, and whether it's dealing with trauma or you do have something like ADHD or whatever, you need to keep going until you work it out, whatever out is. You know, you need to just keep talking to people. Go As we always say, the sober community has got so many people in it and they've all got different experiences. There will be people who are going through the same thing and there will be people who keep slipping up or who keep questioning the same things or or going through the same things and they think the only answer to quieten my brain is alcohol it's just not true I mean Luke seems so happy and you just have to follow him on Instagram he's always outside he's always chatting to the camera he's kind of the stereotypical healthy man he's like Mm -hmm. out there he's beaming he's confident that's how he comes across anyway and he just seems so happy and so grateful that he's finally in control of his feelings 
and he's not slowly killing himself with drugs you know and and alcohol is never the answer alcohol is not the answer to anything and if you think you're using it by way of self-medicating for whatever that is even if it's because you're going on a first date and you're nervous I'm going to have a drink that's not good that's not healthy you should be going out there as you are you know or like me to quieten your mind because I'm so exhausted well go for a run go and have a nap try and learn to meditate there are healthy ways around all of this alcohol will eat you from the inside out. It literally will slowly kill you. That is not me being dramatic. No. I mean, Luke said it himself. His liver was like the enzymes or whatever that they tested for his liver wasn't good. I mean, I never had that happen. I mean, I've had those tests done. Thank God, right? But I've I've never had them done. I'm too scared. Yeah. Yeah. But I have always heard too with that, like just because it's not showing, it's, it's not a gradual thing with the liver. Like it'll be boom. And then you're like already in a bad state. Like it doesn't gradually come on. There's not a warning shot. Like it's boom. Really? Yeah. Mm. So it's nothing to mess around with. And, you know, it can repair itself. So, you know, there's also that attitude. Well, I've already done screwed it up. Who cares? No, you, it will repair itself. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I love his story because there is such a stigma around ADHD as far as, and that's why I asked him that question about his personality, because I know like just talking with my daughter, there's things about taking ADHD medication and worrying about it, changing your personality. And it sounds like, like what he said, it has changed it, but in a way of like bringing him back, like who he was before Mm. it wasn't really him. Yeah. And I loved hearing that because that I think there's a stigma with that too. Anytime you're medicating, like I think too, like when he talked about the antidepressants is where I feel like this ties in, like people who take medication for antidepressants usually go off of them because it makes them just not feel like themselves, right? They don't get to experience emotion. And I think people think that's what they're going to do with ADHD, right? You're going to get medicated. It's just going to like flatline you. But it sounds like that it's quite the opposite. It like structures. It's allowing him to yeah. really be himself for once yeah. without fear that it's going to go off on these tangents. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're right. And, and you know, ADHD, apparently you're constantly looking for dopamine. Yeah. So you're looking for these hits of dopamine and alcohol gives you those. But they are so short lived. It's like jumping off a cliff because you like that feeling and then realizing it's a long fall to your death. Yeah. It's just not worth it is it you just there are other ways to find dopamine there really are and they're genuine they're not ways that are going to make you wake up the next day and be mortified about the way you've acted you know be terrified about the way you've treated your body find out how your brain works find out how your body works and and find it interesting because it's you it's always going to be you it's completely unique to you do whatever works for you but finding out what makes your brain tick and what makes you feel certain things is fascinating that's part of life that is not a chore that determines the different paths you go down and the adventures you have and the decisions you make and the people you want to hang around with that should be the greatest adventure of your life and you shouldn't be scared of finding it out well that was a great one and we will no doubt speak soon Steph but um in the meantime take care I'm off to the gym 
And um, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Dev. Bye, Kate. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.